Welcome to this Endo Life, episode 67. I'm Jessica Duffin, and this podcast is all about living and thriving with endometriosis. This episode is sponsored by my friends at BU. It can be really hard to find a CBD brand to trust. So many have vague information or charge over £100 for a tiny bottle or tub, and you don't really know if it's worth it. The descriptions are vague. So that's why I was so happy that BU brought out a CBD range, which includes drops, sprays, and a balm. This CBD has been developed by scientists to bring you the best quality, pure CBD made with organic oils, flavours and natural CBD. To shop the range, just head to the link in my show notes and start soothing period cramps the natural way. This episode is also sponsored by my free endometriosis symptom tracker. If you feel like you're in pain all the time or you're tired all the time and you just can't tell what's making your endo better or worse, which is what I'm currently dealing with with my interstitial cystitis, I can never say that word, then this tracker could help you begin to understand subtle patterns in your endometriosis symptoms. By using this tracker every day, charting your mood, pain, brain fog and other symptoms and noting down what you eat, your stress levels and lifestyle habits, you'll begin to understand the crucial relationship between your body, your life and endometriosis. Understanding this is key to making changes that actually work and have a positive effect. As always, this guide doesn't replace your medical treatment and it's not intended to treat or cure endometriosis, but it provides you with a tool that I use personally to help me live well with endometriosis and work out what was helping me and wasn't helping me. To download, just head to the show notes and follow the link to get your free copy. So I hope that those of you living in the US had a um, a happy Thanksgiving if you celebrate, and um, yeah, you all had a good weekend. And um, I just wanted to let you guys know that I'm not really down with the Black Friday kind of madness, but um, everyone's been so supportive about the book that um, I kind of wanted to do something. So I have discounted the book um the digital copy of the book it's been on sale since friday and the sale ends today um if you're listening to this in the future making this now the past (laughs) um it ends on monday the second or it ended on monday the second depending on when you listen to this at midnight gmt so it's 30 percent off um my cookbook the Center of Life, it starts with breakfast, a nutrition guide and cookbook for living and thriving with endometriosis. And so it is now $6.99 rather than $9.99. Um, I am trying to work on getting a print, the print um, copy discounted. I did have a code and then like Blurb didn't like the code. Blurb is the printing company. So um, hopefully there's a discount on the print. If there is then check the show notes because it will be in there so um yeah just double check on that one but the digital copy of the book is definitely on sale and um will be until monday um until tonight and at midnight also i wanted to let you know that i am taking consultations on the week of 
the 9th of December. It doesn't matter where in the world you are. They are virtual. Um, and these consultations are to chat a bit more about the coaching program, the one-on-one coaching program that I'm launching in January um, to help you live and thrive with endometriosis. So if you're interested in hearing a little bit more and maybe working with me one-on-one for 12 weeks, then um, just email me at hello at thisendolife.com and we can book a call in. Um, So today's episode is really different. I have never done this before, Um, but I am sharing an interview that um, I did with Berry on Berry. So she interviewed me for her podcast, The Feminine Flow Podcast, and um, it was just a really full interview. I really go into a lot of science about nutrition for endometriosis. Um, And I think as the host of this podcast, I've been really cautious at times, um, especially before I was qualified, about sharing some of the science stuff because I didn't want to, you know, make mistakes or make any blanket statements and stuff. But um, in this episode of with Berion, I felt a lot more relaxed and kind of able to dig into that. So yeah, I really go into some science and um, around nutrition. And I also talk about endometriosis found in like animals and monkeys. Um, and something that I don't talk about a lot at all, hormone um, therapy for endometriosis and kind of what my opinion is on that and what the kind of research is. And I just thought, I was really happy with how the interview went and I was like, oh, I feel like my audience would really like to hear this and it would kind of have some, yeah, some key points that would be beneficial. So I am sharing the episode with you today. Barry has been really, um, yeah, really gracious and has let me share it. Um, If you like the interview and what she does, definitely go and check out her podcast. It's called The Feminine Flow Podcast. And she's on Instagram at Berry, B-E-R-R-I-L, Berry, B-E-R-R-Y. Um, so her full name is Berry on Berry. So yeah, um, I will put the link in my show notes to her um, Instagram. And she's also been a guest on the podcast. So if you're interested, I will put the link to that episode in the show notes as well. So um, yeah, I hope you enjoy it. It's a different one, but um I think that there's some some info in there that will help you guys out. So um, enjoy it and have a great week. Hey friend, what is up? And welcome to the Feminine Flow Podcast. I'm your host, Barry, a period coach and feminine energy healer. I'm here to help you bring alignment back to your body, mind, and spirit. We'll be talking all things women's health, wellness, spirituality, and female entrepreneurship. Grab your matcha because we're about to dive into some major realness. Hello, Flow Tribe. What is up? And welcome back to another episode. Today, I have got a treat for you. I am sitting down with Jessica Duffin of This Endo Life, and we are talking all about endometriosis. But before we do that, you know I have to give you guys the flow call for the episode. So in case you're new, the flow call is really me just updating you on my business, my personal life, everything and anything in between. 
and I'm going to make it short because this podcast episode is definitely going to be a bit longer. It is so informative and so jam-packed with good and golden nuggets. But this weekend, I hosted the Fixer Flow Masterclass, which I am so, so excited about. But in addition to that, I just really took some time to decompress and really think about what I want to do as it relates to my business. One of my biggest desires is to really host masterclass more frequently, but more importantly, to really educate you all about your menstrual cycle, which is why I made the decision to launch the Fix Your Flow online course. If you signed up for the Fix Your Flow Masterclass, if you are a part of my email list or the secret Facebook group, you will be getting a personal invitation from me to you inviting you to join the course. I shared with you guys last week that I only had 12 spots and that remains true. Actually, I, I only have 11 spots at this point in time, but I don't want to talk about it too, too much because we are still finalizing which, which way to do things. Am I going to do a DIY version? Am I going to do a VIP version? What's going to happen? I'm still flushing all of that out, but it was really like comforting to know that no matter what decision I choose to make, you guys support me. And I just wanted to take a moment to really thank you and just share that I appreciate that because as a, I'm very much so a creator. I don't, I know I'm a business owner, but when it comes to the side of like sales and marketing and different things like that, I wouldn't say that's my genius zone. My genius zone is really educating and figuring out fun ways to explain things when it comes to writing sales pages and doing copywriting and designing and all of that. Listen, somebody is way better suited for that than me. So that is going to really be it for the flow call this week. I want to go ahead and get into today's episode. Miss Jessica Duffin, a friend and a colleague of mine, has been working in the endometriosis community for five years and blogging and podcasting about endo for the past four and a half years. She is literally a wealth of information. Honestly, you guys, like I was on her podcast and I was just marveling at everything she shared with me. And in today's episode, I think you guys are going to do the same thing. She is also an integrative women's health coach student. And as of next week sometime, I believe next Friday, she will be officially certified and specialized in the endometriosis section of women's health, which I'm so excited about. But what I'm more stoked to share with you is that Jessica is releasing her new book, This End of Life. It starts with breakfast on Monday, November 18th, and I could not be more excited to get my hands on this nutrition guide and cookbook for living and thriving with endometriosis. Now, while I personally do not struggle with endometriosis, a lot of you have reached out to me and asked me for good resources, and I would say that Jessica of This Endo Life is that resource. The book is all about starting simply and giving yourself a good foundation to begin managing endometriosis. 
In today's episode, her and I chat about what endometriosis is, what her journey with endo has been like, but also why she decided to create such an incredible resource. And one of the things I found most interesting about this episode, there are two things that really, really stand out in my mind. But one thing is the the wait time to see an endometriosis specialist in the UK because she is from the UK. She said it, it can vary anywhere from six months to just get a regular appointment with a general practitioner in another eight months to see a specialist. So for them, it's a lot more difficult than it is for us here in the States. However, I think that kind of the idea of universal healthcare, if you will, is something that may be prevalent in other countries that we don't know about here in the United States. So really wanted to kind of bring that into the conversation as she shared it. And then we also talked about endometriosis in animals, specifically monkeys. You guys know that I'm one of those people who if something catches me off guard, I'm like, hold up, wait, we got to park right there. So we actually did park there for quite a bit, nothing too long, but you guys will definitely hear the candid responses. And in this episode, I do want to preface, I'm a little bit quieter than I usually am. And that's because I was just marveling at the amount of information she was sharing because endometriosis is not something that directly impacts me. So therefore, it's not something I've put a lot of time and attention into. How However, my friend Jessica, she does. I mean, she lives and manages endo. She's had surgery and now she is managing life with endometriosis, which is why I was so excited to really share her story with you guys. Now, of course, let's get into today's episode. But go ahead and introduce yourself. I know who you are, but my audience doesn't. Yeah, so um, I'm Jessica Duffin, and um, I am the founder of This Endo Life, which is a blog and podcast um, dedicated, to, dedicated to supporting people to live and thrive with endometriosis. Um, and yeah, I in the past, I've done things like events and um, kind of different workshops and stuff. And at the moment, as of Monday, I can call myself an author. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. Okay, so I'm obviously going to ask you all of the juice about the book that is coming out on Monday. But what I would love to know is what kind of inspired you to create this resource for women with endometriosis? So, I mean, if we're going back to the very beginning, um, for me, it was, I had, you know, I'd been diagnosed with endometriosis and for two years um, into that. So it took, it took five years to get a diagnosis, five, six years um, mm-hmm. of like actively seeking a diagnosis. But mm-hmm. prior to that, I had other symptoms that I had just never really associated with anything, you know, going on. I just, I just thought I was weak. Um, so then when I was diagnosed, the doctors really kind of, they just dismissed it. They told me that I didn't have much endo and they were like, yeah, it's gone. And that was it. And I was like pumped up on morphine at the time. So I was like, okay, cool. That that's great. Um, I don't have to think about this thing anymore. And my friend actually has been diagnosed with it two years beforehand. Mm -hmm. And, um, she told me that there was a chance that it could come back, but I didn't, 
I just, I just denied it. I just kind of thought, no, if I don't think about it, if I don't put any, um, you know, if I don't put any kind of energy into it, it's just not going to come back. Um, so I didn't do anything really to support my body um, to kind of recover from that surgery, that diagnose, diagnostic surgery that I had. Um, and then when it came back two years later and it came back, you know, just as bad, if not worse, um, I felt really desperate. Mm-hmm. And um, I was in a situation where, you know, which we might we might get into, but um, I was in a tricky situation and I was going away. Um, I was going traveling and um, I knew that my surgery that had been booked, my second surgery, um, was going to be possibly due in this, in whilst I was away. So they were like, we, we can defer it. Um, and so I really was like, how can I deal with this? How can I make this manageable? I was just really, really desperate. I was in this place where before I went away, I was feeling really depressed and and kind of suicidal with my symptoms because they had been coming back for like a year mm-hmm. and I had been going to the GP and the GP told me to come back when it was excruciating. But That's the worst advice ever. I, especially <laughs> because, um, yeah, so it's the worst thing to say because... I know it's different for you guys in the US, but in the UK, we have the NHS and the waiting times are super long for the NHS. So to give you an idea, when once my GP decided that he would refer me, it took me six months to see the gynecologist. Oh my gosh. After that, it then took, I think, eight months to get the surgery book in. So confirmed. And that was what it was like prior to that as well. So this is like the standard, like you can wait like so long, like up to a year for some of your treatment. And it's the same with mental health as well. So it can be a real problem. It's amazing that we have free healthcare, but Mm -hmm. um, it can leave you in some tricky situations if you don't have the finances to kind of seek private healthcare quicker. Okay. So I want to ask you a few questions about endometriosis specifically, because this is the first time my audience is ever hearing about endometriosis. It's not a topic I talk about a lot. So if you could, could you explain what endometriosis is and then what those symptoms look like, just so women can kind of be like aware of what's happening? Like, I know I have a few podcast listeners who do have endometriosis, but I don't think this is a conversation we talk about a lot on my podcast. So I definitely want to make sure we like cover that. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm sure you're going to have people listening who have um, endo because it affects one in 10 um, and one in 10 women, but that's the stat. But of course it can affect like non-binary people, transgender men. So, um, you know, it affects lots of us and that's about 176 million worldwide. Um, So it's a big problem. And what it is, is when the cells, cells that are similar, now they're not exactly the same, that that's kind of a a misconception. Cells that are similar to the cells that line our womb, that break Mm -hmm. down, you know, they follow the menstrual cycle throughout the month and break down and bleed um, during our period. They are growing outside 
of our uterus and they're growing in places like the pelvic cavity, on our bowels, on our bladder, um, you know, on the appendix, on the kidneys, and they can, in some cases, travel further up and grow on the diaphragm. There have been very rare cases where it's been like found um, in, you know, in the lining of the brain and things like that. So um, it can grow in kind of odd places, but in the majority of us, it grows in the pelvic cavity. And what happens is it follows the same cycle and it breaks down just like it would in the uterus. And so it's essentially like bleeding Mm -hmm. every month and it's got nowhere to go. So this, so what happens is it creates like scarring and this like tissue buildup, they're kind of like patches. Um, And then, you know, over time that can cause like webbing of endometrial patches and, it can also in you know more severe cases grow into organs um, and stick organs together so you might have a it might be growing on the outside of an ovary for example and then that ovary has been stuck to your like hip because you know the adhesions and and the patches or perhaps you know it's kind of sticking your like bladder to your uterus so that can happen and what the symptoms are um symptoms are really they the reason why we have a problem we have a problem with diagnosis times because um there's not enough awareness and frankly Mm -hmm. it's a sexism issue but also because the symptoms can be like kind of dismissed for something else so you can get a lot of ibs symptoms with endometriosis um so you can get nausea constipation diarrhea like kind of all the things that would come with ibs um and then you can get severe severe cramping during your period really Mm -hmm. terrible menstrual pain um but also you can get that pain all month wow have that all month so it's, it's a chronic pain condition um it can cause people to pass out it can cause fainting Chronic fatigue is a massive one for Mm -hmm. so many of us with endometriosis. It's definitely one of my worst symptoms. Um, Brain fog is a really big one as well. Um, And then you've kind of got these symptoms that, in my opinion, we are labeling as vague endometriosis symptoms. So you've got like these very clear cut endo symptoms that you'll see on the NHS or on a charity website. So, you know, very severe pain, um, menstrual pain or chronic pain all the time, and pelvic pain, pain during sex, pain mm-hmm. during urination or bowel movements, um, and you know, um, chronic fatigue, brain fog, and um, IBS symptoms. Those are your kind of classic symptoms. But then you've got these odd symptoms like um, PMS, depression, anxiety, um, more kind of what you would associate with hormonal symptoms mm-hmm. my kind of um, my opinion on this from the research that I've done is that a lot of people with endometriosis have estrogen excess or estrogen dominance and that can cause these hormonal symptoms and because we don't have such an awareness about our hormones we're just we're thinking that it's all to do with endo 
and there's nothing we can do about them. But actually, I think that there is some stuff that we can do, especially around the hormonal side of things. So those are kind of your classic symptoms and things like anxiety and depression will come along because you are living with chronic pain all the time and you're living with low energy all the time. So then you start getting anxious about when the pain's coming or about getting to work on time because you're really tired or are you gonna be able to answer that question in a meeting because you're really brain fogged? And of course, you know, we know statistically that living with chronic pain causes like high rates of depression. So there's that as well. So it really, I mean, the effects of endometriosis are just, huge um so those are the symptoms to look out for but you don't have to have them all to have endometriosis and you could also have the you know worst case of endometriosis and have no symptoms at all so it there's no correlation between the amount of endometriosis you have and the severity of the endometriosis that you have and your symptoms. Wow. I find this so interesting, especially like when I think about it, like this is endometriosis is something that I wouldn't say I'm very well versed in. I know it as it's like general, very basic information about it and like the Google definition. That's what I know about endometriosis. Um, but I just received a Instagram DM as you were talking, asking me, um, like that's, I don't know if you heard my phone go off, but someone literally said, Hey, I saw a post about endometriosis on your Instagram recently. And I was wondering if hormonal birth control can help with endo or does it harm? Because for me, I'm all about the natural thing, which is why I love your book that is coming out on Monday. And I will definitely ask you some questions, but in terms of hormonal birth control, do you think that would help or harm in this situation? Okay, so the thing with endometriosis is that it's very, very individual okay. for each person. So the symptoms manifest differently. You know, it doesn't just grow in one place. And what we're discovering with the research is, I was at a conference last year, and what the research is showing is that there's kind of like, I don't want to call them strains because that might be scientifically the incorrect word, but there's different types of endometriosis. Hmm. Um, and they're finding that these different types of endometriosis are responding differently to different treatments. Um, and what's also interesting is that originally, so we thought for a number of years that endometriosis is kind of uh, encouraged, the growth is encouraged by estrogen. So they have found that the cells within the uterus have normal levels of estrogen receptors and kind of levels of estrogen but the cells that are like those cells that are growing on the outside so they're called endometrial cells that are growing outside in the endometrial endometrial patches they have higher levels of estrogen and they also have the ability to make their own estrogen and they have more estrogen receptors so they can respond more to estrogen so that's kind of what we have been going on the past couple of years um, and it, but in 2018, there was a study that came out that's kind of, um, it's just thrown a, like, I guess it's thrown a spanner in the works because what it's shown is that actually it varies. Some endometrial patches have more estrogen receptors. Some have less estrogen receptors. Some have more progesterone receptors. Wow. Some have both. Some have neither. 
So what that means is that people are responding to hormonal birth control in different ways. So often the way that we've been, the way that medic, like, you know, the medical industry has been treating endometriosis is firstly with surgery and then secondly with hormonal birth control or different hormonal options. And the kind of theory of why that would work is that most of the time they're going to be lowering estrogen levels because the research has shown that endo has been responsive to estrogen it's thriving off estrogen so they will tend to lower the estrogen levels um raise the progesterone levels or may, maybe in some cases lower both it it kind of depends on the you know the doctor and the individual and what they decide together and that can be helpful for some people but I'm going to like quote Dr. Andrew Cook, who is a leading endometriosis surgeon and expert, uh, world leading. And um, I just interviewed him for my podcast. So this interview, if you're interested in this subject, this interview is coming out next Monday, so Monday the 25th. And um, what he said is that hormonal birth control is symptom suppressing, but it hasn't been shown to be curative so I love you, that yeah so you and it can be helpful and he he admits that he, it can be helpful I admit that it can be helpful but it's not helpful for everyone and it's well, not necessarily the right choice for everyone a lot of people treat symptoms and they never get to the root cause of the issue and so I feel like that's kind of what he got at saying like it, it can help however there's more to it than just suppressing the symptoms yeah, absolutely. And I think also what, you know, a lot of, a lot of cases of endometriosis is the doc doctors are still being educated on this. There's a real lack of awareness within the medical professional, um, medical industry about endometriosis. And so, you know, a lot of the times they will, um, you know, give birth control out and not tell the patient, the symptom, the side effects of birth control, and also say, take this, you'll be fine. You know, like a 16 year old, 17 year old might have endometriosis or suspected endometriosis and they say, take this, you'll be fine. She then comes off it when she's 35 and she's trying to get pregnant and her symptoms come back tenfold and she can't get pregnant. So mm -hmm. I, you know, if, if you're not dealing with the kind of levels of inflammation, um or you know the problems with your gut that could be affecting your estrogen detoxification um these kind of things then once you come off the birth control those those issues that are aggravating the endometriosis will still exist um and on top of that you may be replacing you know, one set of symptoms with another set of symptoms. And that was definitely the case when I was on hormonal birth control. It really, really affected my mental health big time. Um, so I had to come off it. Mm -hmm. And um, I could only take like a, like a very minute number of hormonal birth control options because I had like a higher risk of stroke. So there were certain ones that I couldn't take. Um, and then kind of after my reaction to the pills, they were like, well, you know, you can have, um, IUD, but it was the same combination 
of hormones that affected my mental health and I was like you know they're like it it's they say it's isolated these hormones are isolated my personal opinion I'm not a doctor guys so do talk to your doctor but my personal my feeling was do you know what I was walking across the bridge every day to work when I was on that pill and I wanted to jump so mm. I don't want to put this coil in me that has those that same combination same level of hormones and have that risk um of it get you know entering the rest of my bloodstream because my my, my uterus is not like there isn't a, like a, a steel wall preventing those hormones from passing through For sure you know? yeah so i didn't want to run that risk especially because i like i know a lot of people who have had the coil put in and the doctors have refused to take it out until they've had it in for a couple of months. And I was just like, I just don't want to put myself in that situation where I'm like, you know, severely depressed and they won't take it out. So I would make sure that you're really aware of all of the side effects of the hormonal birth control that you're discussing with your doctor um, and your own kind of personal medical history and experiences and reactions to things before you make a decision. And I would say two brilliant resources for that um, is, would be uh, Dr. Jolene, I think her surname is Brighton. 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 Yeah. Okay. And Lisa Hendrickson, Jack. So they've both. I'm interviewing books. her in a few weeks. No way. Okay. So this is that episode um, because they both like know their. Can I swear on this podcast? Of course. Okay. So they know their shit on, <laughs> on um, birth control. So I definitely read that. I'm not going to try and give you any of the stats because I will mess them up because hormonal birth control. That's is not, a whole different. Yeah. It, and it's, I'm not a doctor. It's not my kind of area of expertise. So go to those girls for stats, but they're quite shocking. It's worth knowing them. Um, and it can be helpful, but it's not a cure. Mm-hmm. It won't stop the symptoms coming back once you've, you know, once you've, um, come off the pill and it won't necessarily slow it down a lot of people will think that oh i'm going to lower estrogen levels and it's going to slow it down but it's going to depend on the levels of estrogen receptors that you've got going on in your endometrial patches okay it's not always the same for everyone just a reminder that this episode is sponsored by bu BU create gorgeous, natural and organic CBD products that I love. To get the most out of your CBD, BU recommends that you use the products as per instructions on a daily basis for your entire cycle. The effects of CBD are much more obvious when used consistently as the CBD really gets to work on your inflammation levels. It's also recommended that you give CBD around two to three months to see how your body responds to it and whether it works for you. CBD doesn't work for everyone, but it definitely seems to be something that's popular within the endo community and kind of painful period community at the moment. Lots of people are finding relief. I would love to hear how you get on with it. If you do try any of the products, let me know. To shop the range, just head to the link in my show notes and start soothing period cramps the natural way. This episode is also sponsored by my free endometriosis symptom tracker. If you kind of feel a bit overwhelmed by your pain and your symptoms and you really just don't know where to start with managing them, 
then tracking your symptoms over a couple of months or even just a month to see what your triggers might be could be really helpful. I've put together a free download that helps you track your pain, your mood, your brain fog, uh, your bloating, where you are in your cycle, your eating habits, your stress levels, so many different things um, in a really simple and effective way. If you'd like to try it out, um, obviously it's free, just head to the show notes, follow the link and you can get your own copy. Wow. I I love that approach too, because it's for me, I don't deal with like chronic illnesses personally. And I don't work with a lot of women who have chronic illnesses. As a matter of fact, if I know someone has a pre-existing condition, I'm like, Hey, you need to go see a professional. I need you to go see a doctor because this is actually a medical thing. And like, I always tell people, I'm not a doctor. I'm not your doctor. So bye. Like, that's what I say. But I always like to give tips and tricks and suggestions for managing whatever condition someone has. And I hear that there's this ebook that you wrote (laughs) that does just that, that really helps women or just any individual who has endometriosis really live and thrive with endo. So can you share a little bit about this or like all of the things about it? Yeah, of course. So if all goes well, it may even be a print by Wednesday. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. I'm trying to put together a print to, a print on demand. I keep calling it print to order. I don't know why. Print on demand option. Um, So basically that means the book will get printed every time someone orders it. Uh, Because the influx of messages that I've had people wanting it in print has just been kind of too high to ignore. So um, let's hope that we pull that off. My poor boyfriend is in the other room right now putting it all together um so yeah so the book is called uh this end of life it starts with breakfast and it is a nutrition guide and cookbook um for living and thriving with endo and it has it's it's separated into two parts it's a part one is heavily evidence-based it's research-led um and it's all about the kind of light nutrition and some lifestyle medicine that has been shown in studies to support people with endometriosis um and it takes you through kind of my experience what i did and the basics of what we kind of dub as an endometriosis diet and when i say that i want to be clear there isn't a one set endometriosis diet but generally across kind of like the approaches of different experts and nutritionists we're looking at an anti-inflammatory diet and we're looking at a diet that supports the hormones to be balanced but also clears out any old and excess hormones specifically estrogen because even though we've got that data this new data that's saying you know the receptors vary and the the levels of estrogen and progesterone vary we do know that endometriosis generally is estrogen driven so that you know we have a lot of evidence to say that so we still want to be cautious with our levels of estrogen it's a great hormone to have but we want to make sure that we're not having any excess buildup of it um and so yeah i mean the the research into the progesterone is we need to do more on that so um the yeah so you've got the anti-inflammatory diet hormone supporting 
detoxification, but also gut health. So we need to support the gut health as well. So it kind of goes across all of those and it looks into the supplements behind it uh, that can support endometriosis, but we're starting with nutrition. We don't wanna we don't wanna be eating a really inflammatory diet and then like thinking that we can take some turmeric and it's gonna calm it down <laughs> because it won't. Um, so yeah, so I start with an anti-inflammatory diet and what that looks like is it really varies for everyone, but some common inflammatory foods are gluten, soy, cow's dairy. It depends really on your own body, whether, you know, sheep or goat's dairy is going to affect you. Mm-hmm. Um, red meat can be inflammatory. Um, Alcohol can be inflammatory. Caffeine can be inflammatory. Sugar is definitely inflammatory. Um, So with something like caffeine, it depends on your genetics. Um, And alcohol is is mainly inflammatory because of the amount of sugar that's in it. Um, And then it's also going to be affecting your hormones. So really, you know, it depends on how much alcohol you're drinking. Um, But I personally eliminate alcohol. I might have like, a glass or two every couple of months but I'm not I'm not into drinking so that's really easy for me to do and I appreciate it might not be for others so it depends what you find as a trigger food but those are kind of some really common inflammatory foods now you don't have to cut them all out you could start with one you could do an elimination diet where you cut them all out and then you slowly introduce the foods one by one, I would highly recommend talking to a nutritionist if you're going to do that. And then you see how you react to those, um, you know, those different foods and you can work out what your trigger foods are. And the reason why this is so important is because endometriosis is an inflammatory condition. So pain is triggered by inflammation. And we found that people with endometriosis have higher levels of inflammation And also we have, in the simplest term, we have less resources to fight that inflammation. So we have less antioxidants in our levels in our bodies. um, And those antioxidants fight inflammation. And there are studies that have shown that when people, women, it it was on women, women add, women with endometriosis, when they add in antioxidants into their diet, and antioxidants come from vegetables and fruit, their pain levels reduced. So an anti-inflammatory diet, uh, you know, paleo is anti-inflammatory, vegan is anti-inflammatory, vegetarian is anti-inflammatory, Mediterranean is anti-inflammatory, as long as you're doing those in a healthy way, right? You could be a vegan and eat like a really rubbish diet. But what's been shown to be positive about these diets and what's been shown to be anti-inflammatory about these diets is the amount of fruit and vegetables. They if you're eating a healthy version of these diets, um, cause you know, I'm not talking about a Mediterranean diet with loads of pizza and pasta, um, <laughs> but you know, it, it's about having large quantities of fruit and veg. So those antioxidants, antioxidants from the fruit and veg lower the inflammation in your body. So essentially you're cutting out those anti-inflammatory, those inflammatory foods like gluten, sugar, or at least cutting down and you're, upping your levels of um, anti-inflammatory foods, which include vegetables and fruit. And the other uh, really helpful food group to include 
is omega fatty acids. Um, So, you know, fatty fish, um, if you're, you know, if you're plant-based like I am, then it would be about getting in your plant-based sources of omega-3s, which would be things like chia um, and walnuts, but also taking a um, omega-3 supplement that is the EPA, I think it's called EPA and DHA form, Mm -hmm. because you can't eat enough of, essentially that comes from algae. Um, so when the fish consume it, you can get quite a good quantity of it from fish, but you can't get a good quantity of it from just like algae on its own. You would have to eat a whole load of spirulina essentially <laughs> to to get enough. Um, and our body has trouble converting that plant form into like a form that we can use. So it's best to get a supplement, a vegan supplement, and they've kind of done done the groundwork for you um so you need you know good fats um lots of omega fats fruit and veg and then the other two that's really important is fiber and complex carbohydrates and i'm sure you've talked about this so much but it's about (laughs) um we've talked about it together at length on on um, my show but um so i'm sure your audience know about this but just to give a recap having a balanced plate of fruit and, you know, veg or fruit, um, or both, um, complex carbohydrates, good fats and fiber and protein, um, means that you're going to have balanced blood sugar and that's going to, you know, balance your insulin levels and in turn balance your hormone levels. And as we know, it's really important to keep our hormones in check because we don't want a case where we've got low progesterone and high estrogen levels or you know just just a mix because it's gonna be having in some form an effect on your endometriosis and it could be worsening those symptoms that you've associated with endo which actually might just be excess estrogen for example headaches pms blows him that's another one actually that i missed off the really common list which i don't think they put it anywhere on any official lists but there's something called the endo belly Mm-hmm. the endo bloat where you look six months pregnant wow um i when i was like 12 i like <laughs> i walked into my mum and i told her i was pregnant and she literally believed it because oh my, my, my belly was so big um and when i was young, younger than that i'm not going to say who but i had a family member tell me to hold my stomach in because ladies always have their stomachs in so um and I have like a really flat stomach. It's something that I've always had, but then when I blow, I like my, I look pregnant. Um, so it's a really huge, yeah, huge contrast. Um, so anyway, so, you know, hormonal imbalances can cause like bloating and water retention and things like that. So it's really important to have our hormones in balance. Um, and then we're going to look at, we look at gut health, how to support your gut because what they've actually found which is fascinating is that monkeys uh, with endometriosis are missing a specific type of gut bacteria i'm sorry hold on yeah animals can have endometriosis i know this sounds ridiculous but it's just like i've never even heard of that i feel like i've been so quiet this entire time you've been talking because <laughs> I'm, I'm actually learning a lot and so it's hard for me to like interject and ask questions because i'm just like wait what sorry i am like so 
You're my- such a good resource. And I've never like, I'm literally just like sitting here like, oh my gosh, I have so many questions, but I don't even know where to put them in because they're just, you're, this is monkeys and endometriosis. What? Like, you got to explain this one to us. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. I, I kid you not, I'm not the only person who's amazed by this right now. So like, if, if you do want to interrupt me, totally interrupt me because I am so passionate about this. I could literally talk forever. I'm going to let you, don't worry. So just do interrupt. Um, but yeah, so, okay. So we've induced, really sadly, we've induced endometriosis in, in monkeys, okay. but also, um, as far as I'm aware, it can just be in animals. So, um, for example, we, there's a study which, all of these studies need more studies, right? Like mm-hmm. endometriosis hasn't been funded very well. So a lot of the kind of criticism is the studies aren't big enough, but there were 12 monkeys that were injected with, I think they were injected, they were exposed in some form to a chemical called dioxin, which has been found in numerous studies to affect our reproductive organs, our hormones, our endocrine system, etc. And they found that when monkeys were injected with dioxin, they developed endometriosis in a dose-dependent manner. And what that means is the more in, the more dioxin, the more endometriosis. Like mind blown but it's not been like the powers that be haven't like it's like haven't 100 percent said yes dioxin causes endometriosis there is all of this research pointing into that direction that it it contributes to it Mm -hmm. because there are lots of different theories as to where endometriosis comes from and why it begins but dioxin seems to be one of the yeah one of the kind of triggers because i mean yeah monkeys <laughs> get an endometriosis in a dose dependent manner but obviously they're not going to start injecting humans with dioxin to see if they get endo so um that's kind of one of the thoughts of that study it's so i mean when i learned this i was like mind blown so like if i yeah so basically you have all of these fascinating factors with endo that just create this perfect storm. So yeah, you, you have this enzyme that's gonna pump old and excess estrogen back into your body. Now we don't want that excess estrogen. That is gonna cause us to have estrogen dominance and mm-hmm. too much estrogen in the body, which could potentially cause further endometriosis growth. And so in normal people who don't have endometriosis, they have you know, this good level of gut bacteria, hopefully in an ideal world, and that good level of gut bacteria is inhibiting, it's you know, suppressing that enzyme. So their estrogen gets detoxified correctly, it leaves the body. But ours isn't, you've got these two, these, this kind of perfect storm happening in your gut. So, what we really need to do with the gut is to create a you know a healthy environment a healthy gut uh gut micro microbiome mm-hmm. and another reason why this is so important with people with endometriosis is because with endo we actually have a lot of what they call comorbidities which is like co-conditions basically there's a really high prevalence of like different co-conditions and because people with endometriosis 
do tend to have SIBO, they do tend to have a gut microbiome problem, and they do have tend to have IBS, the likeliness that they've got some kind of problem with their stomach lining is pretty high. And so we really need to work on kind of healing that stomach lining, um, supporting the body to start taking in nutrients properly, replenishing that gut bacteria. If you have a gut imbalance where there's some kind of like unhealthy level of bacteria, maybe you've got like a quote unquote, you know, bad bacteria growing there, then that needs to be addressed. So if you have a condition that's very specific in the book, I do advise you to talk to a nutritionist, but generally there are some things that we can do to kind of lower that level of inflammation that's going on in the gut and replenish the gut bacteria so i talk about prebiotics probiotics mm-hmm. um and you know different foods that actually trigger further inflammation in the gut so that's a really big part of the book as well um and then yeah you share, I you, you share recipes don't you like usually like some chocolate some something tell us about these recipes because the girls we like to eat so Yes, I I really (laughs) like to eat. Um, So there are 28 recipes. So yes, one for every day of the menstrual cycle. Um, You know, I you know if that's that that's the average though. Obviously, we we're all different. And they are breakfast recipes. Now, the reason I started with breakfast recipes is because. Firstly, when I started managing my endo, you know, when I couldn't get surgery and I started managing it with um, nutrition, and I. I experienced like a dramatic decrease, not increase, in my symptoms within a month. Um, What I started working on was was my breakfast because I I just love breakfast. Um, And (laughs) also it's it's really essential to begin your day with a good foundation, especially when it comes to something like balancing your blood sugar, which has an impact on your hormones, but also has an impact on your levels of energy and fatigue. So, like I said, brain fog and fatigue is a massive symptom of endometriosis. So, if we're starting our bre- starting our day with, an, with you know a cup of coffee, that's going to raise our blood sugar levels, and then a bowl of sugary cereal that's going to raise our blood sugar levels. That might have uh, gluten in it that we might be have a trigger we might be triggered by that has cow's dairy in it that we might be triggered by. You are essentially setting yourself up for worsening symptoms whether they happen that day or whether they happen when your period comes you're kind of creating over time you're building this accumulative effect of inflammation and imbalance hormone levels um so i wanted to create and i wanted i wanted people to have something that they could experience kind of straight away and that does happen when you're balancing your blood sugar levels, your energy begins to get more stable. And I know that when I started balancing my blood sugar levels by having, you know, a balanced meal, protein, fat, complex mm-hmm. carbohydrates and fiber, um, I felt the difference, you know, my energy became, started to be more stable. And so if you're starting your day with stable energy, that's going to make a massive difference to you when you have fatigue. It really, really does. Um, So I wanted to create these foundations, something that firstly gave you hopefully some more stable energy levels or at least the tools to create more stable energy levels, lower inflammation, um, 
and feed your body with the nutrients that it needs to fight inflammation. And on top of that, make it easy, easier and accessible. If I, if I wrote a cookbook that was like, right, you guys can't eat any gluten, any sugar, yeah, any dairy for like a whole month, like, I don't no really buy it. No one would listen. Yeah. yeah. And it's going to be really overwhelming. Like living with mm -hmm. endo is fucking hard. It really, mm -hmm. really is hard. So I just wanted to start with like a simple approach. And I love breakfast. It kind of scientifically makes sense to start with breakfast. Like it's going to feed you. It's going to power you for the rest of the day. So yeah, in this, in this uh, book, in the second section of the book, there's 28 recipes. And they vary from hot drinks. Like I have a, um, what I call my lion's milk, which is my replacement for coffee. And it includes like two superfood mushrooms that have been shown um, in research to support your body and your brain to get more oxygen, um, to help uh, improve concentration levels, memory. Um, so it's really great if you're suffering from brain fog or fatigue. Mm -hmm. um i've got an anti-inflammatory um turmeric latte in there mm -hmm. um, my favorite my favorite so <laughs> um and then i've got smoothies and these smoothies are either you know they have no sugar in them or they're really really low sugar because i think a lot of the problem a lot of the time people will have a smoothie and think they're really good for you but not realize that they've got like 30 40 grams of sugar in and mm -hmm. yes it's full of fruit but we need to be a bit more mindful about our sugar intake when we have endo. So there's smoothies, then there's different, um, there's different kind of hot kind of breakfasts like porridges, but they're not, you know, they're not necessarily made with oats. We've got um, amaranth porridge in there. And then I've got quinoa pops. So your own cereal, you can make your own quinoa pops. Um, and I've got some really decadent, <laughs> Okay, I'm all about decadence. So I actually have something that I've called birthday breakfast cheesecake. Mm, okay, so okay. <laughs> what I wanted to do was create recipes that you could double up so you could have them for a dessert or you could have them for lunch or you could have them for a snack, even though they are breakfast. So mm. I've got two recipes in there that you can have as a dessert. So one is the, the um the birthday breakfast cheesecake and one of them is the chocolate hazelnut teff pudding so both so the cheesecake is essentially what you would find in say like maybe a, a really healthy granola it's like walnuts and oats and cashew butter mm -hmm. as a base and then it's got an almond cream cheese and coconut vanilla yogurt as the uh, the cheesecake bit and it's blended and it's super creamy and it sets and I have like a um, my mouth is watering so right now and I've also got a jam recipe in the book so if you want to add a layer of jam and have a strawberry you know strawberry cheesecake you can um, it's really blood sugar balancing um, it's so delicious and um, we even we made a salted caramel version for my boyfriend's birthday as his birthday mm -hmm. cake recently um and then you've got the teff teff chocolate hazelnut pudding um teff has got protein in it it's full of fiber it's also got magnesium and iron so i've really pinpointed actually something that i should mention in the book is that i don't know about you but sometimes i read recipe books and they tell you to put something in it and i'm like eh, i don't really want to put that in it and i don't and then the recipe something else wrong. 
yeah, and I don't understand why that's <laughs> gone wrong because I don't understand why it's in there. And on top of that, I don't know why that person has chosen to use that specific food when they could have used a different food. So mm. this book, like I literally give about like a page explanation for most recipes as to why I've used the foods that I've used. So I tell you the nutrients that are in the foods and why I've used them specifically for endometriosis and even what phase of the menstrual cycle they suit. So, um, I can't wait to get my hands on this book. Like I'm so excited because like this is for me when I do recipes and things like that, if I don't want to add a specific thing, I swap it out for something else. But that's because I understand like the nutrition science of like what's going to happen when I form it all together. So it's yeah. for me, it's almost like this no brainer thing because I took so many nutrition science classes in college. Like it was ridiculous. And so now I can just kind of like swap things out, but you're like, no, 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 no. We got to look at the nutrients and, and your cycle. And I'm like, yeah, that matters too. Wow. I didn't like, it's certain things I just don't think about, but like you got us covered. So now I just got to get the book. <laughs> I, I hope I've got, you know, I really hope that I've got people covered. This is, this is a book that I have been wanting to write since I started this endo life, which was four and a half years ago. And, wow. um, I've been blogging and working for, uh, so I worked for endometriosis UK. Um, this book has nothing to do with the charity, by the way, uh, disclaimer, disclaimer. <laughs> um, but you know, I have worked with the endometriosis community for five years and I've been desperate to write this book but from my own perspective of being someone who has you know managed to reduce her symptoms so dramatically but it's now that I have uh, so now I'm a qualified integrated women's health coach and um next Friday I begin specializing in endometriosis um congratulations so that's really exciting um so it's now that I've gone through this like qualification that I feel that okay I can you know I can put what I know out into the world from a place of like I don't know I just want people to trust me because I want them to know that yes this was my experience and this was my journey with it yours will be different we're not exactly the same but also I've got the science to back it up so, you know, like I wanted to be able to provide something that wasn't just my own personal experience and what I had learned from researching on my own, but actually what I had learned as a student. Um, so, yeah, so I really hope it's got everyone covered. And um, yes, yeah, so there's, you know, cereals and hot, hot foods like porridges, as I've said. Um, and then there's also savoury foods like salads, mm -hmm. believe it or not. But um, it is about starting to incorporate these kind of more nourishing balanced foods and that most of the time more savory foods like I have a strawberry and quinoa salad in the book um which you know can be a snack or it could be a lunch as well so they're really balanced as well and then I've got like a fun bit that I find it fun at the back because I really like brunch that you know I've got my own homemade baked beans that are really healthy I've got cauliflower waffles um mm. so you can kind of piece together a brunch Mm -hmm. um if you want to have a bit of a I like indulgent brunches on a Saturday or a Sunday so yeah um and I've got carrot bacon as well so carrot bacon that is <laughs> that's the plant-based in you like that plant-based eater carrot bacon I like that idea yeah um, so um 
what does they, it, they what's the texture of that? I know it's such a random question, but like, is it like a dehydrated type thing? Or no, it's it? grilled. So they're sliced. They're sliced mm-hmm. really thinly and they're grilled. And that kind of creates like, it is a similar texture to bacon, but without, I guess, the, the you know, like the, I guess the resistance, the chew that you get from bacon. Okay. So, so it's the, probably got like more of a like a crisp like crunch. Oh, what do you guys call fries in the UK? It's is it crisp chips. We call them chips. 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 Yeah. Okay. No, I, not even that. I how do I explain it? It's that okay. So there's thin strips of carrot. But they're tender, but they've got bite. Hmm. That's the best. Tender with bite. Tender um. Bite. So they're really satisfying. Um. And I really miss bacon. So. <laughs> Even though I'm like seven years of being into a veggie, I still miss bacon. So that has to be in the book. And just so all of you guys know, um, the book isn't promoting a plant-based diet. It's promoting eating more veg, for sure. Um, And I do explore meat and the research behind meat and endometriosis because there is some out there. Um, And what we know is that people who eat uh, more portions of fruit and vegetables have a lower risk of developing endometriosis um so i do explore meat and kind of the research into that but it doesn't mean you can you have to rule out meat there's organic you know organic meat um meat that's low in saturated fat um are really you know those are the sources that you want to go for um wild caught fish um and i really emphasize in the book that all of the recipes are totally like adaptable once you like once you know why I put certain things in and why like you know I might mention make sure that you keep the psyllium husk in because that's going to bind the bread right but Mm it you you can see what you can't take out of a recipe and what you can add in and if you want to have goat's milk instead of almond milk you can totally do that so everything is adaptable to your values and your needs and your body's like requirements and stuff so um that's kind of really emphasized this is a book for everyone it's just simply promoting eat more you know eat more antioxidants eat more anti-inflammatory foods eat more omegas eat more fiber yeah eat more protein eat eat more complex carbs I love that so much. Just thank you so much for sharing like so much. Is it, should I, I'm just going to say wisdom because I know it sounds ridiculous to say, but like this has been a very, very insightful conversation to have around endometriosis. And I am loving the work that you're doing. I cannot wait to get my hands on the book. I want to ask you like two, maybe three more questions. My first question for you is, where can we find you at? I love to have people plug what they're doing and where they're at on the interwebs. Cool. So I am at uh, www.thisendolife.com. Um, my podcast is This Endo Life. You can get it wherever you listen to your podcasts, except for Spotify, because I'm having a fight with Spotify. So it will be up soon, but okay. obviously the book needs to come out first. So, um, but yeah, I've been doing the podcast for like two years. So there's lots of episodes to catch up on. Um, and that is a mix of interviews and solo shows. Um, and then I'm on Instagram at this underscore um, endo life. That's all lowercase. Um, I do have a Facebook page, but honestly, I, I don't use it. So don't go there. <laughs> <It's> not, <laughs> okay, um, don't go there. 
don't go, go to my Instagram. Um, I'm really active there. And if you buy the book, then um, I will have a private Facebook community that I've put in the book that you guys can join and you can kind of let me know how you're getting on with the book, ask me any questions, support each other on our journey. And yeah, so that's going to be a nice community as well. I love that. Okay. So my next question for you is like, what is like your number one goal? Like, what do you want people to feel or think or learn by having this book? I mean, I think I know the answer, but I want to hear in your words with your amazing accent. Yes. <laughs> have an accent to me. We always go through this, but like, I want to hear from you, like the purpose or the passion really. Okay. So it's kind of two things, but this is the same thing. So I want people to thrive with endometriosis. I don't want them to just be surviving or just be getting by. I And I know everyone is different and your version of thriving is going to be very different from mine. And perhaps we're not going to be able to reach the level of like Rachel Hollis, <laughs> like <laughs> that level of energy, right? Or, you know some crazy super level energy person me <laughs> i i you know as i want you to be able to reach your level of thriving what you desire like there's a section that i've got at the end of the book and it's called what if you thrived and i ask people to think about you know what will their health look like if nothing changes if they don't make any changes right now to manage an endometriosis. And this isn't in a this isn't in a judgmental way at all. If you read my book and you decide this is not for you, then like that is absolutely fine. I really want you to find a path of management that's for yourself, that works for you. But whether it's good surgery, whether it's hormones or whether it's getting better sleep or whether it's following the recipes in the book. You know, I want I want people to look at what they want for their lives. And how can they create a path of management for endometriosis that helps them to reach that vision? So maybe it's they want to be able to play with their kids. Maybe it's they want to be able to have kids. Maybe it's that they want to be able to reach where they want in their career or, you know, like be more present with their partner. Maybe they just want to feel better every day. I want people to be able to work towards that vision. It's not about being perfect. It really is not about being perfect, but I want to create something that helps them move towards the vision of the life that they want to experience, even with endo, rather than away from it. Um, That's so good. <laughs> I just, I want to stop right there, but I have one last question for you. Yeah. It's a question I ask every guest who comes on the podcast, at least as of late. What is or how do you practice living in your feminine flow? So like honoring your cycle and all of that. I mean, I work with the rhythm of my cycle. Um, so I'm a podcaster. So I book all of my interviews in for when I'm ovulating or in my spring phase, because that's generally when I feel better. Um, and then I start doing my more adminish type work or stuff that I've got to do like on my own in my um luteal phase just before my period and I try I try I'm not always good at this to ease up during my menstrual phase at least you know get an earlier night or have an hour off to watch something you know that I enjoy um so that's really how I um 
work in flow with my cycle on a daily basis i mean on a daily basis i guess i really try to work with my hormones like blood sugar stability is super important to me making sure i step outside in the morning when i've woken up i go and stand outside get some light to my eyes to make sure that my cortisol levels rise healthily um so my body knows that i'm awake and you know cortisol is a hormone if that just confused anyone but it, yeah it's a hormone <laughs> um and cortisol is like a lady boss hormone so it can you know it has a downstream effect on all the other hormones um i try to switch off the blue lights at night i'm not great at that yet but i'm trying <laughs> um and you know getting in eight hours sleep because if not i'm really really feeling it energetically my hormones are out of whack my insulin levels are out of whack i'm hungry all day i'm tired so i'm i'm really trying to take care of myself every day and a big part of that is blood sugar stability and kind of like making sure and taking care of my hormones with those foundational things um sleep nutrition and like basic self-care like letting your body know that like it's daylight it's you know not staying in at my desk all day wow I love that especially because I'm always talking about like planning your life around your cycle so I'm sure they loved hearing that and knowing I'm not the only person who does it (laughs) But I just wanted to say thank you so much for popping in on the podcast today. I cannot wait to see what your ebook, This Indo Life, It Starts with Breakfast, really brings us. I hope you have an amazing day. And again, thank you. So that's it. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to find out more about what I do or read more on endometriosis and living well with it, um, you can head to my Instagram page, which is this underscore endolife. Um, you can head to my website, which is www.thisendolife.com. And you can also get um, a free guide to managing endometriosis naturally on my website. Um, I've put the link in my show notes. It's a beginner's guide to getting started and all of the areas that I um, have worked on to help reduce my endometriosis symptoms and pain and live well with endometriosis. As always, if you like this show, please rate, review and or subscribe. It really, truly does help others to hear the podcast and hopefully will help them to live better with endometriosis. This episode was produced by The Pod Farm. Whether you're an established podcaster or just getting started, visit thepodfarm.com to see how they can help you go from an idea to a finished show that's ready to be heard by the world.